0: we always feel that people are watching waiting to pounce when we've shown any weakness or vulnerability and so it's a shield really i guess it's a it, it's a majestic cruise liner that tries to carry us across that gulf between the person we are and the person we feel like we should be mm. right it's this kind of thing that we pin all of our hopes and dreams on and try to project into the world but ultimately of course it's an impossible ideal it can never be attained and uh, it stores up only misery for, for those who try to make that leap and so perfectionism is really at, at root about not feeling enough and, and needing approval and validation from other people to tell us that we're okay and and i think that's that's really what if we can look at perfectionism through that end of the telescope we can really begin to unpack what it really does to us and why it's so widespread right now
1: Hey friends, welcome to The Good Life with Michelle Lamoureux, a show for women in midlife who want to live happier, healthier, and more meaningful lives. I'm your host, Michelle Lamoureux, a self-love coach and the author of Design a Life You Love, and together we're going to be doing just that. Each week I bring on world-class experts, best-selling authors, leading entrepreneurs, and also do solo casts with the intention of inviting you to get connected to what you really desire from your life. This show is produced with love every week. There's inspiration and actionable tips in every episode because I want to see women playing a starring role in their lives instead of living on the sidelines. Be sure to join the Good Life Community Newsletter over at thegoodlifecoach.com for more inspiration and tips to live your best midlife. And make sure you're following the show on your favorite podcast player. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey friends, it's Michelle Lemoureux and welcome back to the show. I'm really excited about today's topic. We are talking about perfectionism, something that many of us can identify with. And joining us is Thomas Curran, who is a professor of psychology at the London School of Economics and author of a landmark study that the BBC held as the first to compare perfectionism across generations. His TED Talk on perfectionism has received more than three Million views, and his research has been featured in media ranging from Harvard Business Review to New Scientist to CNN. He's the author of The Perfection Trap Embracing the Power of Good Enough. Welcome, Thomas.
0: Thank you for having me, Michelle.
1: Well, I'm excited to talk about perfectionism. I mean, when I was reading your book, I was thinking about the many layers of perfectionism. And it's funny because when my daughter was about two, I hired A life and business coach who did some assessment on me. And she said, I thought you were going to be a perfectionist, but you didn't score that way, which was interesting. So I don't know. I don't know what the assessment was. (laughs) You probably would be able to help me guide guide through that better. But um, I actually often think that we pursue and want to write about and educate on the things that we also are trying to navigate in our lives. And I was curious if perfectionism was something that you identify with. And is that, is that true for you? Are you, are you a perfectionist?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think research is definitely me searching in in, in this, in this respect. Um, Yeah. I mean, I've always struggled. I've always been a bit of an anxious kid actually. Um, When I was younger, I I had um, a tough time. Uh, dealing with challenging situations and uh, i often recoiled from situations where i might be you know exposed in, in certain ways as maybe not being good enough and i didn't obviously reflecting on those experiences it's probably a certain amount of genetics perhaps in in those experiences um maybe a bit of social factors as well um but as i got older and i moved into the workforce and things got very competitive and pressurized um those I call you, I guess you could call them base anxieties really started to have a major impact uh on my life. And I was pushing myself way too hard, well beyond comfort. And uh ultimately that created a lot of psychological difficulties that culminated in what I described as a breakdown. So mm. um I sought help and I was brought to the awareness that this was perfectionism really, that was underneath a lot of these struggles, um, pushing myself too hard. Uh, trying to lift myself above other people, hyper competitive streak and never feeling like I'm enough. All of these feelings uh, were having a major impact. And I actually thought perfectionism was pushing me forward. I believe it was a thing that was keeping me going, uh, but actually it was a thing that was causing a lot of these difficulties. So that was when I was really like, okay, let's, let's do some work on this. Let's work try and understand this better. Why do I feel like this? Why do so many people around me feel like this? Uh, and that's really where I started to do the work.
1: Well, thank you for doing the research because we were talking before I hit record and you are a professor of psychology, but you actually aren't teaching on this, which I thought was interesting. I think maybe you, you need to go to the school and ask them if you can do a separate course on it, because I think <laughs> probably a lot of the students in there would be really grateful to have access to you in this material.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I get asked all the time, I actually come came back into the office because I had a sabbatical uh, uh, last year and I was doing a lot of PR for the book and I've spoken to a lot of like really cool people and everybody's like wow it's so cool you did the book and we want to know more and we didn't know you did this and so that's been such a joy and it, it, it speaks to how live perfectionism is right now. So many people yeah. want to know what it is. They want to know how, how it impacts us. And um, so it's, it's, it's awesome talking to people about this stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, let's start with a definition since it's going to be the foundation of the conversation. What is perfectionism?
0: So perfectionism at, at its root is is a form of, of deficit thinking, mm-hmm. a kind of I suppose, a way of moving through the world in which we just don't feel like we're enough, can never feel like we're enough. We always feel that people are watching, waiting to pounce when we've shown any weakness or vulnerability. And so it's a shield, really. I guess it's a, it, it's a majestic cruise liner that tries to carry us across that gulf between the person we are and the person we feel like we should be, mm. right? It's this kind of uh, thing that we pin all of our hopes and dreams on and try to project into the world but ultimately, of course, it's an impossible ideal. It can never be attained, and uh, it stores up only misery for for those who try to make that leap. What we uh, and so perfectionism is really um, at, at root about not feeling enough and and needing approval and validation from other people to tell us that we're okay. And and I think that's that's really what if we can look at perfectionism through that end of the telescope, we can really begin to unpack what it what it really does to us. Um, and and why it's so widespread right now.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because you talked about in your TED Talk and then also in the book how when you're going in for an interview and you're asked, what's your greatest weakness? You're supposed to say, I'm a perfectionist. And, you know, I laughed when I heard you say it and when I read it because I remember preparing for my first interviews and having people tell me that's that's a sign of strength. So it's like churning that weakness into a strength. And so I think a lot of people do perceive perfectionism sort of as a, as a positive, as a way of striving for better in your life. So where are we missing? Where's sort of the disconnect here?
0: I think what we assume about perfectionism is that it's got those go getting qualities, grit, perseverance, time on task and all, and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, and, and what we miss is actually the reasons underneath those things a perfectionist are, are all of those things but the reason they're doing it is not because you know there's this sort of this active optimistic need to do uh, to do better improve ourselves keep growing and all, all the rest of it but it comes from a very defensive place of mm. if we don't do those things then we'll be exposed as deficient and flawed mm. and therefore all of that energy is nervous energy is anxious energy it's mm. insecure energy and and that's really why it's so problematic. Look, there's nothing wrong with striving. There's nothing wrong with high standards and having high goals. All those things are great, but if they come from that place of insecurity, then that's that's when the problems start.
1: And what's under the "I'm not good enough" is it "I'm not lovable" or is it different for everyone? Do you know what I mean? Because oh, I feel like "I'm not good yeah. enough" is one layer, but when I was reading, I wrote down like underlying. If if I don't do this, I won't be worthy of love. Like that's what it felt like to me.
0: Yeah, and we were going really deep here, but that's absolutely... sorry, I
1: go deep. <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> that's that, sort of that, my that, thing. That's... <laughs> well, that's good. That's good because you have to talk about it. You know, like if you really want to understand what what's uh, what is the root of this deficit type of thinking, is it's about not being good enough to matter. To other mm. people not all yeah. be loved which which is the same thing yeah uh so, uh so we don't feel recognized we don't feel seen um and we feel like in order to be those things we have to be perfect because that's the way we can guarantee other people's love and approval if we're perfect then yeah. they'll love us and they'll approve us right uh so yeah of course like if you really want to get into the weeds of this it's, it's definitely comes from a, a place of, of of need for love and, and to feel like we matter
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like a first cousin, if you will, to it might be people pleasing. And I think maybe women or girls might adopt that Mm -hmm. because I'm a, I'm a recovering people pleaser. And so uh, am I a perfectionist? I think in some ways I am, like, I definitely could identify, I'm not going to go by some assessment. Someone gave me when I was, you know, 40 years old or 42, however old I was at that time. Um, but, if, yeah, is people pleasing kind of layered with it? I mean, is, is is that sort of an adaptive skill so that we can feel loved and be accepted?
0: Well, it's an adaptation. I mean, look, I don't think it's any coincidence that a lot of the early work in this area was done by a, a master clinician called Karen Horney, who mm-hmm. back back then was um, a phenomenal uh, woman because in a male-dominated world, she was able to go get a degree and and make huge strides um in the 50s, 40s, 50s um in the clinical psychology challenging freud uh making waves in feminine psychology and anyway um i don't think it's any coincidence that she was the one to really talk about perfectionism because she saw in patient after patient that came through her, mm. her therapy room that disconnect that we're talking about you know between who who society tells us we should be Yes. and who we really are we have to go about the world trying to please other people to be somebody else somebody perfect just to fit in just to conform and so karen Horney, i think her she is a hero because her insights and she isn't celebrated anywhere near enough by the way, but her insights are really are, are so pressing for today to understand what's going on in the in these kind of widespread feelings of not not being enough it's it's really not feeling like we we fit in, like we matter, like we're recognised, and that we and in order to feel those things, we'd have to bend ourselves all out of shape to, to um, please other people or to conform to some ideal. Mm. And and obviously in patriarchal culture back back then, uh, yeah. still still living, now, still yeah. Live at those. Yeah, and now <laughs> yeah. I should mm-hmm. say it. it, it absolutely. <laughs> yes. uh, we've made. We've made improvements, but not yes. nowhere near, uh, far enough. Um, she was able to see that vividly. Because she, she looked at it from the start, from the perspective of a woman who who herself felt these things. um so I don't think it's any coincidence that our understanding of perfectionism came from those early insights of Karen, Karen Horney's early insights of patriarchal culture and, uh, and how that um how that created perfectionistic um thoughts among uh, women and you're absolutely right, people pleasing we still see it today It's something that affects so many people and it's I, I for every bit as part of perfectionism as all the other things I've mentioned.
1: Yeah, the shoulds, the not good enoughs, the desire to be lovable. um, Share the, you have the three perfectionism dimensions. I think just getting a sense of this, because you talked about even having that anxiety as a child, and I want people to see maybe themselves or have some understanding around it, because I think once you understand something, then you can work with it.
0: Yeah, so it's in, that's a good segue actually, from because Horne really gave us a broad overview of what perfectionism is at root. a kind of deficit thing, it's, it's self alienation, it's trying to be somebody else, somebody perfect, because this is how we feel like we should be. It's that tyranny of should. Mm. Um, and and over the years, those ideas have been taken by academics and wrapped into a theoretical framework of, of okay, well, well, this is a broad. Brought up at root what perfectionism is, but it looks differently and it can manifest differently depending on where it comes from. Yes. So, Paul Hewitt and Gordon Flatt really uh, were the pioneers in this area and they did a lot of heavy lifting and and they found over hundreds and hundreds of interactions with perfectionistic people that perfectionism um, doesn't just come from within. Let's say I need to be perfect, nothing but perfect, and I'm Um, highly self critical of myself. This is called self oriented perfectionism yeah but those feelings also are felt from the outside world too so i feel like i need to be perfect and be- and so other people also feel that i must be perfect too they're expecting me to be perfect so there's a sense that everybody is supposed to be perfect and they're watching their way into pounce when i haven't been this is socially prescribed perfectionism yeah and the third is other oriented perfectionism
1: what which did you is perfectionism
0: projected, other oriented perfectionism.
1: okay
0: um which is perfectionism that's projected outwards Onto other people so i expect you to be perfect and if you're not then i'm going to let you know um and so this is the way broadly that they saw these perfectionistic tendencies to express and it's a, all a spectrum so you can be high on self middle of social maybe low on other could be high on social middle on other low on self and all sorts of other constellations so all these things are spectrums that's important to rec- uh, bear in mind and and also that means that no one perfectionistic person looks the same, right? There's all sorts of different um, mm, combinations of perfectionism. Yes. And it's also, uh, and with this framework, we can also uh, not only measure where people sit, but also get an idea of how perfectionism is moving uh, because we're measuring the same things over many, many years. So we can see whether these things are increasing. So there's all sorts of really cool things uh, we can do with these three dimensions. Um but yeah, that's that's the model that Paul and God, uh, uh devised, and that's what we use today in the perfectionism research.
1: It seems, I mean, is anyone not a perfectionist on some level? It's just based on what we're talking about. I mean, maybe it shows up in a different way, but it seems that, I don't know, whether it's self-oriented, socially, what did you call it? Prescribed. Prescribed. I can't read yeah. my own writing. I just wrote a note. <laughs> <laughs> and the other oriented, whether you're like the Steve Jobs type is the example you use where he's, you know, critical, <laughs> right? Of, the, of others. Yeah. Um, so, but on some level, or what do we know about it? Are we, mo- uh, you know, did, are, what well, pers- I, I think gonna, you- yeah, or is it too, it hasn't been studied that, you know, that specifically.
0: Well, it's important to realize because these are spectrums, there's right. no such thing. As a perfectionist or a non-perfectionist, like every we're all on somewhere on the spectrum of perfectionism. So it's better it's better to think of people as highly perfectionistic or not very perfectionistic. Yes. Um and, and and that's useful in a number of ways. One, it helps us uh do research because if you're high, we can also see if you're high on anxiety, that's called a correlation. Uh, but also, it, I think it's something useful about that way of thinking about perfectionism because it shows us that this, these things can be changed, right? Like you, you don't, you're not a f- perfectionist, and that's very fixed. You know, you can you can move yourself on the spectrum with strategies yes. and ways of, of and ways of um, thinking that kind of challenge perfect, those perfectionist beliefs in important ways. So, I think thinking about perfectionism as a spectrum is really useful, and that's certainly how we do it in the research. Aaron. Yeah,
1: I like that, and I also like the distinction of you know, not, you're not a perfectionist, right? Not thinking of it in, yeah. the, in, the, in those terms. I'm going to read something that you wrote in the book, just a part to segue into another question I had, which is you say, you write perfectionist overwork to the point, <clears throat> excuse me, to the point of burnout. Um, they also at the same time do everything in their power in completing, in, including complete withdrawal of all effort to avoid the unbearable shame of almost certain defeat. That's not the ticket to success. On the contrary, perfectionism hampers success while generating a great deal of distress and self-doubt. And there was a 2016 report commissioned by Girl Guiding in the UK found similar trends, um, and it that you know, 46% of girls age 11 to 16 and 61% of girls aged 17 to 21 said they, said they felt a need to be perfect. And you you say in the book, five years earlier in a 2011 report, those percentage, percentages were just 26 and 23, which reflects increases of 77 and 165% respectively. So mm. what's I mean, COVID? Like, was it the pandemic? What what created that spike? I mean, I guess with the numbers, those that doesn't correlate. So what happened in those five years? Because that was before COVID. I can imagine it's even worse.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, I, I, I this it's very so the data that we've collated over many many years showing exactly the same thing as that as a uh, it's rising study. <laughs> it's rising, it's rising really fast, and yeah, and, and, uh, you know, and. Uh, it's staggering. Every time you commission a new piece of data analysis or you do a new survey, you find the same things all the time. Uh, feelings about lack, feelings of not feeling good enough, uh, appearance, worries and concerns, self-presentational issues, perfectionism. Um, all of these things are arising. And um, yeah, I mean, look, if, you, if the whole book is really about trying to explore the causality like what's happening here. Um, why are, are young people in particular and girls, as you mentioned in that study, having so much um difficulty with uh feeling like they're good enough, feeling like they're pretty enough, attractive enough, fit enough, healthy enough, and all the rest of it. I mean like COVID certainly amplified a lot of a lot of issues, there's no doubt about that. But I think that there was a lot of things going on in the background um that were also important, things like social media, which has created a very warped sense of what's normal and desirable. When it yeah. comes to image ideals and lifestyles and all the rest of it. Um, schools and colleges really, really competitive, um, and put a lot of pressure on young people to perform and excel all the time. Uh, you've got parenting practices we know are changing too, um, around you know, reflecting those competitive pressures in schooling and and, and they're being transferred by parents too in higher expectations. That's what young people are telling us. And of course, with the workplace as well, this is yeah, young people get a little bit older, but it's really tough in the workplace hustle grind you got to you got to move you got to uh, you got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and and it's very insecure so um yeah there's a lot there's a lot of factors michelle uh that, that could be weighing on these perceptions that we need to be more that We need to do more we need to have more and, and what we are in the moment is not enough
1: yes
0: uh and, and as i say i try as hard as i can to condense these different factors but there's a lot of them
1: yeah. I mean, I'm glad that you wrote the book so that there's a reference point for like people and we'll get into, I want to just, we're we're sort of talking about the issues, but then, you know, potential ways of navigating it, I think is always going to be helpful, but I do want to mm. s- stay on the social media piece. So as a mother of a teen, my daughter, she's actually not even on Instagram yet. She just asked, she'll be 15 soon. And I was like, it's an addictive tool. And I've told her, I mean, I'm 52 and I find that all of a sudden the phone's in my hand and on Instagram and I don't even know why. And, you know, it's just, it, there's there's obviously something they do that just makes it sort of addictive. And I don't have that sort mm. of tendency to like need that kind of a hit from, you know, do I get, did I get a like on something? And then I think, oh gosh, what if you are a teen and you're worrying about, you know, do I look good enough and whatever? And I had a friend tell me how, the trend is, you know, to post pictures of yourself in your bikinis and show what kind of summer you had. And it just feels too much. And some of the data um, that you talked about in the book and the whistleblower who talked about how Facebook did know that it was creating depression and suicidal ideation and teens. And, you know, if the, it, it just, it seems like a, it's scary, I think for parents. So what advice, I mean, I know you have a, a, a little one you're not there yet yeah. but with what yeah. you know and where things are going is there anything we can advise parents about how to navigate the social media piece because it's um you can you can create a strong foundation at home but if there is that socially you know conditioned part then you know there's not too much you can do about that I get. I don't know maybe we can I, I'd just like to get your thoughts
0: I think the the, the, the big thing is is to recognize that um, social media is not in and of itself a, a, a terrible innovation. It it can have some really life affirming properties and qualities. It can bring people together through shared interests. Um, yeah. It can create a sense of community. Uh, it can be a place for resource and information sharing, uh, which you might not be able to get at through other channels yes. if you carefully curate your your social media profile, if you make sure that what you're seeing are things that are going to enrich your life rather than make you feel uh, sad or down or whatever. Right. So that's the first thing to say. And that's really, really important because uh, because kids you know, kids are going to use social media. Yeah, They're going to want to yeah. pick up and the And I'm platforms. not going
1: to pre- prevent my daughter from being yeah. on there, especially if everyone else is you kind of, you don't want them to be out of the loop because that could harm them socially as
0: well exactly so yeah. it's all really about awareness education and teaching them you know there are some amazing things that social media can be used for but there are also some corners of social media that i need you know we need to be aware of one of which is that this is an advertising device so it's like the television show that you watch or the when you go to the movie theater or whatever you know you midway through it shows you an ad yes well that's the same as social media except now it's in your life 24 7. And so it's going to be looking at times when you feel like you might need a product or you're feeling a bit low and this is how social media works. It's OK. It's just know that, understand that and, you, and, 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 you know, manage your profile so that, they, that those moments become, you know, uh, less and less. That's to say that, you know, you try to block let's say profiles or accounts or mute profile accounts that yes. you know are triggering in certain ways make sure that you know that the people that you've you've got a private account for instance so that it you know it, there isn't there isn't this kind of opportunity that's, for people to yes. spread information far and wide do you know, yes it, it's about being sensible with it's yes. about educating and it's about uh, letting young people know that you know there's a very useful tool here it's just there are other parts of it that we just need to be aware of we just need to manage and and, and that's all you can do you know, and and that, and that really is all you can do. And I, and I think if you can have that honest conversation, open conversation about social media, there's no reason why young people can't be trusted to use it healthily and in ways that are really positive. Um, and so that would be my advice there.
1: Okay. I appreciate that. It's hard because people are showing their highlight reels, so it's not real life, but you can forget that, you know, somebody could be devastated inside and showing the biggest smile and happiest photo, like, you know, maybe even with five other friends or something and you think, oh, they have friends and I don't, I mean, they could create that comparison thing. So it is a lot of communication with your child and reminding them just, you know, I- I'm so grateful. I didn't have this technology when yeah. I was a kid. I, I-, I feel so, I kind so of, my much. heart sort of aches for these guys, you know, for all these children out there. And and then um, in terms of the school stuff, that's a big thing. The school, my daughter's Going to a school that's known for its academics, which I did too, for the, the high school that I went to. But it's on like another level where the head of her middle school said, you know, when the kids go to this particular school and they're smart and they want to, you know, excel, don't let them drink the Kool Aid because some of these kids get really entrenched with this need to like be the best. And what advice can you give on that where it's, you know, impacting? Focus and grades, or you know any worries around um yeah, you know
0: being being good enough at score right? being good <laughs> enough, <back> yeah, to... <laughs>
1: basically being good enough, exactly, especially when everyone is so good,
0: yeah, we go back to that very same feeling, uh, it's everywhere um look there's there's so again again it's one of it's like, it's like social media right that this is this is the world we live in this is the pressure cooker young people are exposed to an education system we can want to change that and i talk about this in my book i think we should strive to change the education system but as long as we have the one we do we have to yeah. we have to make the best of it within that context you know i wish that these pre- intolerable pressures weren't placed on young people but they are and it's really important for young people's futures that they do well in school because the you know it, in terms of the best paying jobs and the college premium it's it's so you know these things matter it's what yeah. i'm saying yeah so i think parents parents need to know that it's okay that actually what you know if you are finding yourself pushing and 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 pointing your child's compass in the direction of you know the grades and the outcome these are just normal and natural responses to that pressurized culture But yes. there are a couple of things we can do inside of that mm-hmm. uh to to help and i think the, the biggest thing is consistency consistency of love consistency of, for approval if your child's done really well at school then praise the effort and tell them how amazing that achievement is and and, and allow them to enjoy it you know reward them and, and let them reward themselves as well let them br- because that's what, that's what the important part of success is is re- is, is uh, f- uh being satisfied by that success not thinking about what's next <laughs> You know the next one that's coming, but actually exactly. like enjoying that and moment. actually
1: enjoy it. I mean we need to do this <laughs> as adults. Yes. What's the next ring on the
0: just, Yeah. Yeah. Just 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 breathe it in. You did really well. But equally if they come back and didn't do quite so well, they're going to be disappointed, maybe even devastated. Um yeah. it's really important you give them the same treatment. You know, you give them a hug, you tell them that they've done amazing this that this isn't a this doesn't say anything about them or their abilities. It doesn't say anything about how much other people love them or approve of them it doesn't say how how, anything about how their teachers like them or you know all these things that go through their heads it's really important to make sure that you validate that but also let them know that those things aren't aren't true and that actually you know it's one test of many other tests and this is a learning opportunity uh, and it's okay it's okay to it's okay to hit setbacks in fact it's quite normal and natural to do that so consistency of approval is so important because if you defer that if you defer that praise um or if you subtly with, withhold like full approval mm. on the expectation that uh, young people continue to do more well that's when you start to get young people as a dependency on achievement for their sense of self esteem their sense mm. of that they matter or are approved by other people that they've got to keep moving Conditional. to get exactly to get that full approval and and that can be that can lead to perfectionistic t- kinds of thinking. So that consistency is really key. And I would say one more thing on that: um, show them, show them that failure is is if, lead by example. Basically, you know, if you failed or had a bad day or things haven't gone well, you know, don't bottle it up. Talk about it at the dinner table and and, and be open about it. you know, I screwed up today, made a mistake, gave a really bad lecture, and it didn't go very well, and it made me feel not very good. But you know what? That's just part of life. And maybe ask, you know. What why if you gave a talk and you feel you screw? How would you feel? And, and talk about those feelings. Like those feelings are setback and mistakes and be open about and just and normalize them uh, for young people. So I would also say lead by example as well and and, and talk about your failures as much as your successes, because that's so important.
1: I love that. I love that. I definitely try to do that. And it's interesting, Thomas, because you said when you're sitting at the dinner table, I think that's part of the other issue. I don't think families are sitting. I grew up sitting around the dinner table. I think there's something yeah. really Uh, beautiful and supportive about that you know even if you're not talking about anything too deep or meaningful whatever there's an opportunity and it's like that connection so I feel like there might be another layer there with maybe if we are actually sitting at that table you know versus catch each catching a meal when you can kind of scenario yeah
0: it's so important to protect the family time I'm a big believer in family time. It's so, so important. And no, no electronics, no TVs, no, no phones, just, just, just talking about stupid stuff. But it's important yeah. as well, you know, just our day, how we feel, what we're doing, who's, you know, what happened at work, what happened at school is so important.
1: Totally. The connection. Um, so is there any such thing as positive perfectionism? <laughs> I mean, you talk about, <laughs> So, cause I'm not taking, I'm, what I'm taking away is that the, it's the underlying feeling. So actually no, but I just want to, you know, because like, I, I think we started, there is a, per- a perception that somehow, you know, I worked in a law firm, I was head of marketing and I, you know, we would call it like type a lawyers, you know, everyone just like striving, 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 you know, probably with a lot of perfectionism, you know, underlying that, but is there any bright side to it or are we saying no let's not go there
0: (laughs) well i don't know i guess you have to ask the the lawyers i mean they they the, the lawyers are the hardest working people i know um but not always the most contented or the happiest often that's probably a sweeping statement but uh you know the work consumes the life and and it doesn't leave uh much areas for rejuvenation and and um rest and all the rest of it and time with family and friends and all you know all of these things that are really also important too, but that's the nature of the job you know it's not that's not their fault that's the nature right. of the job it's it's intense it's pressurized it's long hours it's really tough and if you're gonna you're gonna get you know you're gonna get the partner you going to you're gonna have to do those things otherwise it's not gonna happen so so that's I suppose it, where do you draw i suppose it, where do you draw a line between the individuals driving and the pressures that are put on them to do yes. this driving like what yes. what's what's you know where's what's driving the car in in that in that case I, I think when we talk about positive perfectionism, just taking a step back, it's really tough because because of where perfectionism comes from i don't think there's a case that can be made for perfectionism being in any way positive yeah i think that was the takeaway
1: i got from the book but i just have to play this out because somebody might think like that's what got me to where i am right now even though i'm overwhelmed and whatever but
0: um yeah and burnt out please it does. Look, it does carry you a certain way that the anxiety going underneath perfectionism ca- can carry us a, a certain way. And actually, you know, I would argue the anxiety going underneath perfectionism is what's powered our economy to be as successful as it has. You know, at the individual level, it's taken a lot of toil, blood, sweat, tears and backbreaking work and all the rest of it. But we are now in a in an era of abundance and, and, and in developed countries where we can, you know, we have this amazing uh level of abundance and affluence and wealth and that's partly because of those you know those really strong desires to work and consume and work and consume and all the rest of it this is there so you know underneath all of all of this is is a is a positive story to some extent but i suppose it's always the question is who benefits yeah and the, and and and, it's, and, a, and at a certain point we have to recognize that perfectionism is not a sustainable way to strive we might get short-term benefits we might lift lift ourselves above other people in the immediate term but research shows time and time again that uh, perfection is not a sustainable way to strive Uh, perfectionist people burn out and and they also find it really really hard when things start to get tough which they will you know it can't we're exhaustible creatures we're gonna feel tired we're gonna Oh, yeah. We're going to make mistakes, uh, yeah. and we're going to turn in sloppy work, and all the rest of it. It's just normal and natural. And if we're pushing ourselves so hard, we're going to experience those things in great ever greater regularity. And and because perfectionism doesn't allow us to stop because it keeps forcing us to push forward, then you end up in a situation. I ended up in uh, you have a lot of really, you know, bad uh, mental health difficulty, anxiety, takes over, panic attacks. You start to feel like you're exhausted all the time. And it's only when you actually turn the corner on that that you begin, you can see that you can get ex- just the same outcomes in terms of performance and success, but for way less going in by just letting things happen a little bit more, by letting go of that perfectionism and just embracing what you do, enjoying life, finding your meaning, finding your purpose, what really makes you tick, and finding the joy in in whatever it is you're doing. You did. You went into that line of work because you wanted to do it. There was a reason and you have to reconnect with that why Uh, and once you do that you'll find that you'll have a much more successful life that's to say you'll go to work vitalized you'll feel really um full of purpose and zest for the work that you do and you won't have the emotional baggage that comes with perfectionism that keeps you up late at night and sacrificing other areas of of your life um so i found that i've been just as if not more successful without that intense amount of perfectionism than than i was before um and i think that's a realization that a lot of people have made and it's one of the things i wanted to write about in their book really is that you know you can you can do it differently it doesn't have to be this way and you can and and success is not necessarily the you know because of perfectionism in fact a lot of very successful people are successful despite their perfectionism um, and so i think I think that's important to bear in mind when we talk about whether perfection is positive. Um, I think the question is 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 really like, can we get the same doing things differently? And I think the answer to that is yes,
1: yes. And also because of the way you started the book and talking about how you know it was going to be the positive on your job interview and a perception around it, changing that perception, I think, is important. Um, there was one fact that you talked about, that was interesting to me, that procrastination can go hand in hand with perfectionism. And sometimes that can be paralyzing too. I mean, I know kids can, you know, freeze up or this not feeling good enough. Oh my God, if I don't get an A on that test or whatever. And just the anxiety you talked about that you had. So if someone's listening, Thomas, and they're like, I want to be like on the other side of it where it's not driving my life, you know, it's something that I'm managing what what can you offer them if they ha- or they're seeing it in their child and it's you know they don't know how to help? What what's the work? I mean, imagine for you it was some some work, some it's, deeper it's work.
0: Not- it's not easy. Look, there are things you can do on the surface to manage the, okay. manage the symptoms. Yeah, you know, procrastination is a symptom, and we can put in place management strategies like you know um, short time frame, short bursts of work. Give ourselves five, ten, fifteen minute windows to just get things started, get things done. Because we know, if we start things, we're way more likely to finish.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, you know, so we we can we can try to reframe those feelings. So we can write perfectionist beliefs down. Those irrational beliefs. I must do. I have to do that. And then we're try to reframe those feelings into more compassionate, constructive thoughts and feelings. around, Well, it would be like to or nice to, or, uh, uh, maybe we could do this, or perhaps if 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 we find the time, we can do that. Like there, you know. So that we're kind of a lot more flexible in terms of our ways of thinking, mm. and we give ourselves permission to not do something if we don't have time, um, and 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 it be okay. Uh, so you know, reframing self-compassion. Uh, it, these are really important things but they will only really treat the symptoms of, of perfectionism and they don't get at the root of that feeling of never of just not, of not being enough that's harder uh, managing that uh, trying to break through that is much tougher uh, and requires a, a wholehearted commitment to uh, reconnecting with ourselves to finding what it is that we find joyous about life you know whether it be time of our family time of our friends rekindling that purpose of why we're doing what we're doing um and and really being brave enough to to embrace that you know put ourselves out there, like, be vulnerable with you know you might make mistakes you might survive you might not be world champion <laughs> of whatever it is that you enjoy but that doesn't matter because what matters is that uh it's it's what you enjoy it's what gives you pleasure uh and so re 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 um karen horney calls it re- re- reconnecting with ourselves of our true selves uh, and that's that's a journey you know that 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 takes a lot of self-discovery it takes a lot of exploration um but 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 nevertheless you know um it's 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 so worthwhile and in and in that process you can let things go you don't have to always manage impressions life can wash over you and yeah. that's okay
1: yeah
0: um you know these failure will visit us mistakes will visit us and they're very joyous reminders of what it means to be a fallible human and uh, you know i wouldn't say I'm, I'm i'm recovered but what i would say is that allowing fight find, finding that purpose in my work and finding something that i'm really you know keen to learn more about and do and 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 to Try and communicate to the world, you know, that this is an important view. You know, that's my purpose, that's my meaning, and, and I found so much, so much joy through that work that perfectionism robbed from me when I was trying to do it for the other reasons. You know, being, being beating other people, chasing numbers, chasing grants, chasing um, uh, promotions—all of those things uh, were, were what perfectionism was telling me I should be doing. When really, it's all about the joy and the purpose and the meaning. And 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 having made that switch perfectionism just melts away so that would be that would be my advice but it's like it's tough it's not easy there's going to be roadblocks you're going to you can encounter difficulties all these things are normal they're natural embrace them Life. um yeah and that's life exactly
1: yeah well you know I wrote a book on self-love 10 years ago and I said we write about what we need to learn I mean at 52 I really can say I feel like I truly love myself but two years ago I thought I was there and No, now I truly feel like I am my best friend and champion. And, you know, it's a, it is a journey. You know, I really do. Like when those voices come in, I'm like, oh no, I'm done with that. I'm not going to, you know, join that negative voice. Be like, yeah, let's beat up on Michelle. Yeah. No, I'm like, no, no, that's, that's no, we don't live like that anymore. It's, you know, let's set that aside. So it takes some time. Um, I've loved this conversation so much. Is there anything I didn't ask that you want to make sure you um, mentioned today, or anything that you want to share? Uh, nothing.
0: I think we had a really nice conversation. We covered a lot of ground, and um, I just I hope your listeners find it find it useful.
1: I think it's been fantastic. Well, just to always end on a little bit of a fun note, um, you know, I know you talk a little bit about you know what the good life in quotes could be, and it should be our own interpretation so what is what does living a good life mean the good life mean to you thomas
0: the the good life to me means doing things that bring me bring me joy and for me that's playing music which i'm not world champion but i love doing it anyway and that's the most important spending time with family and friends uh chatting about all sorts of stupid stuff but Stuff that makes me feel connected, makes me feel like I'm valued and and have meaning, and time in my uh, and time in my community. You know, like um, I think that's so so important. Something that we don't often do these days, but having a sense of purpose in the community is brings you so much, so much joy. Um, and so those would be my three things: family, friends, community, um, and and that's what the, that's my definition of the good life.
1: Love it. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's an important topic. I'm grateful for the work you're doing because it doesn't seem like the systems that are in place are kind of navigating strategies for this. So at least it, it creates a conversation. People can watch your TED Talk and I'm gonna be linking all of the show notes over at thegoodlifecoach.com. And I hope that everyone will share this with their friends. I know this is a subject that you know touches everyone's lives. Um, Thomas, where should I direct people to find you in the book?
0: uh if you uh, google uh the perfection trap uh thomas curran you know, you'll find all the links to buy the book um my i have a website tom which is t-h-o-m uh curran c double com, ncom and i'm on linkedin and twitter so listeners can find me on those channels and if they do read the book i'd love to hear from them so please do feel free to get in touch
1: absolutely and all of those all of the links i'll just make it easy to and i will have them over at the goodlifecoach.com thanks for your time today thank you for the work you're doing in the world and it was such a pleasure to connect with you
0: thank you michelle i've really enjoyed it thanks and lovely to me thank you, you too.
1: thanks so much for tuning in today i hope you gained some new information or inspiration